0: Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte.
1: Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin. And welcome to our very last Resistance recap.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: Wow. Let's wow. just reflect
0: on on two seasons of Resistance. What a great show. I'm gonna miss talking about it here on the sh- on pod on podcast <laughs> on
1: <laughs> on podcast, number one on
0: podcast
1: <laughs> on pod. I-,
0: <laughs> I just I have had such fun r- recounting this, even though we missed basically the entire second half of the season just because of so much happening in Star Wars, and <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like <laughs> it, it, I'm still gonna miss it because I have such fond memories, especially with season one of. This being like the only Star Wars that was happening at the time, and you know, every Sunday watching it and then talking about it, you know, getting up early with our coffee and watching it and everything, I I love it. It's so fun.
1: Yeah, I I'm really gonna miss Resistance. Charlotte and I were talking about it earlier, and I just I I'm just I'm really sad, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> January as a Star Wars fan personally has just been real hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think ending it literally ending the the month with this series finale of resistance has just been like the sad cherry on top <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know i'm just i'm I'm really mourning the end of this show. I know a lot of you listening are too, and it just it feels it feels gone too soon, and it it is it is really disappointing um honestly because mm-hmm. this show this show was so good (laughs) and you guys know that that the first half of of season two had some some struggles but this show overall is 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 like such a light i don't know all these Mm -hmm. all these characters shown i think you and i me in particular was just so surprised with how much i loved it in season one and i was telling charlotte you know before we started i was like uh, Resistance had the strongest first season of any of our animated shows and it's it's really such a shame that it wasn't given the opportunity to like continue to grow. And I was like, I'm really kind of mourning like what could have been like a season for Kaz and Tora and Tam and like what they would have looked like and what adventures they would have gone on um, if they had been given that opportunity and it just, I'm sure if you guys are fans of the show, I'm sure you know it. It just it, it feels unfair, and it feels like this show was not given enough enough promotion, honestly, <laughs> by Lucasfilm mm-hmm. and Disney. And I I feel sad saying that. I I really do, but uh, that's kind of that's how it feels. And this show deserves the world, and it had such an interesting premise, and I wish it could have gone on longer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I won't say any more because I will just get really, really sad.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm looking forward to? Mm -hmm. In about a month or so, maybe less than that, both seasons will be on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Clone Wars had such an effect. I think it's happening with Rebels now too, which is really interesting, of people discovering the show after it has been completed or finished. I mean, I guess Clone Wars isn't complete, but <laughs> has been out for a couple of years and they are able to, you know, recount and watch and get obsessed with it and binge watch it. When Keelan, you and I watched both of those shows and Resistance week to week. And I think that it's definitely a a great experience to be able to binge something Mm -hmm. and get fully obsessed with it and i'm excited for people to discover the show because as we'll get into resistance does complement a lot of what we consider to be like the greatest star wars themes and i think that that's kind of what the animated shows do best in my opinion is kind of um kind of make you feel that star wars feeling maybe perhaps on like a smaller scale and i hope that people when they discover the show on disney plus are able to kind of return to it and um get obsessed with it maybe who knows who knows maybe in like three years they'll revive this show too you never know
1: yeah let's do a hashtag save resistance <laughs> hashtag yeah bring resistance save resistance back. yeah i hope so yeah i really do because i think i think this show presented something really different than, than than Clone Wars or Rebels did. And um, a lot of that was why I didn't think I would enjoy it as much when it started, was because it did present itself so differently. But I was very much surprised and... Um, yeah, it, it it just it deserved more and but it it had a great send-off which we're going to be talking about today and I know um if anyone who worked on Resistance is listening, we love this show and thank you for all of your hard work on it. Um it really did make our Sunday mornings and our time waiting for the rise of Skywalker that much better and we loved it mm-hmm. a whole lot and the Colossus is the best that <laughs> piece in Star Wars. So <laughs> Had to say it one more time. Had <laughs> <laughs> to say it one more time. Um, it really is, though. <laughs> it really is. And um, I never did get my col- my theme park style map of the Colossus, but uh, Bobby Moynihan did like a tweet that I tweeted about it once, even though Resistance wasn't tagged, Bobby Moynihan wasn't tagged. Like, How did he literally find that? <laughs> nothing was... Th- I d I don't even think I don't even think you I said Colossus in the tweet. I just I think I, I said create the content you want to see and it was like an edited photo of me with a picture of the colossus. <laughs> no, it was you in front of the Millennium Falcon in Disneyland. And Yeah, but it had the like I had the map out, but I put a picture of the Colossus <laughs> on it. So good. And uh yeah, Bobby Moynihan found it. So anyway, miracles do happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we are gonna be talking about the series finale, The Escape, which aired on January 26th. It was um it was an extended episode. So it was directed by Brad Rao and Seward Lee, and it was written by Brandon Alman. And um we did miss a good number of episodes because as Charlotte alluded to, uh, there were some other things I'm happening. Honest, I
0: really <laughs> thought this was gonna take a mid-season break like most shows do. It- And instead of just like went straight through Christmas, (laughs) straight through the Rise of Skywalker, which again, we can go back to, oh my God, did they just really want to, you know, get the show out so they can move on to like Clone Wars, which uh, I love Clone Wars and not no no dig at Clone Wars, but I just wish the show got a little bit more time. Um, and I, yeah. I feel like because of the rise of Skywalker our conflicted emotions about that movie, uh, Christmas,
1: I don't, I don't think they were super
0: conflicted. <laughs> so they're pretty, they're pretty <laughs> conflicted for me at least. I am. I, I don't know. And I think, yeah, I think that they're whatever. I just, I, I feel like because we were dealing with a lot of, um, fandom struggles, a little bit of burnout, I will admit I think that we missed a bunch and I really do regret that. Like I think about it a lot because the second half of the season was so good. These episodes that Caitlin's going to list yeah. off, you know, if I'm sure if you had listened to any of our uh, episodes in the past in with season two, we were like, what is this all leading to? What does this all mean? Because, oh man. They were answered in the (laughs) latter half of season two, and it felt so good to watch that and be like, yes, it was it was really like a sigh of relief, in my opinion, watching these episodes, um, given I thought that the first half of the season was kind of rocky, but they really hit their stride in the second half of season two, which is why it's disappointing that we didn't get to talk about them.
1: Yeah, I know. It it's funny too because it's like, well, if it was supposed to be connecting with Rise of Skywalker, I can understand why maybe the first half didn't really know where it yeah. was going. <laughs> But uh yeah, the back half of, of season two was was really great. Like it felt it felt like a return to form. It it felt like it had that same kind of boost of energy as 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 all of season one did, and as some pockets of the first part of season two did as well. So the episodes that we missed, um, The Missing Agent, which is when we met Norath, who was played by Debbie Diggs, which love same, that character. So good. How cool is it that they had Davi Diggs? So cool. Oh, it was so cool! Uh, um, we was, uh, then breakout, which is when Kaz and North rescue Yeager and Sinara from the First Order. The mutiny, which is when the pirates stage a mutiny on the that Colossus. Was so
0: really good. great. That was exactly when that was oh, happening. Was so that good. was that felt really gratifying because I think that that's something that we had talked about so much about um, what's yeah. going to happen now that the pirates are kind of. Not necessarily. No.
1: Yes. Held captive on the Colossus, and they're not going to be but happy. They left the cult. They like pieced out for a little bit to get to get the. Anyway, <laughs> this was a really great episode because it was like, oh yes, finally, like we're getting some of that conflict yeah. <laughs> in here. They've just been chilling in the basement of the Colossus <laughs> for a while, <laughs> and then we had um, the New World, which is when Kaz and Griff. An amazing pair-up ended up on Eos Prime and promised medicine and things while they were helping the people of Eos Prime. This episode, I really liked this episode, but I also was like, this feels kind of, um, you know, like, here are the people from the Colossus with, like, all this technology helping the people on this, like, primitive planet oh, yeah. who don't have medicine. It's it's like, colonialization. Which yes. Which is, it was, so, I, I didn't know
0: how to feel about it. Also, I think that you're supposed to be like, "Why are you doing that, the Colossus?" But I, it, you're right that it was a little like,
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. That that side of it, I didn't love. Um, But I did love Kaz and Griff. I thought they were really fun there. Griff is my favorite Ace. I just think his deadpan is spot on Mm -hmm. and then uh, there was the episode no place safe which is when kaz plans to leave the colossus and comes back in because he saw i think a first order probe or something that transmitted where the colossus was and this was my favorite out of the episodes that we missed because i i love that we finally got We finally got Kaz saying that he wanted to actually seek out the resistance Mm -hmm. now that, like, he had decided it was time to go and find the resistance. I thought it was really mature, and I thought it was just a really bold move for him to be like, no, like – I'm still invested in what the Resistance is doing. Mm -hmm. So that was probably my favorite out of the ones that we missed. And then the last one was Rebuilding the Resistance, which this was also a great episode. Vanessa Doza comes back to the Colossus, and the Aces um, help her rescue new Resistance pilots from the First Order, or there's like a space battle where they're trying to get like transports and stuff, and Tam is there, and and that was a really great episode too. I loved that episode.
0: I'm so mm-hmm. I, I really love the character of Vanessa. and it she's is so cool. She's so cool and it's so great to have a happy family in Star Wars. <laughs>
1: imagine And I, I
0: imagine. I just I felt it. I <laughs> I I felt that sense of I don't know, joy, I guess, of mm-hmm. seeing all of their their small family together, despite the fact that uh, you know, Tora's parents are both Off doing their own thing and when they come back together it's like no time has passed is kind of the 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 vibe that i got
1: yeah it was it was really beautiful they're definitely the the most uh well-established family Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think uh i think kanan and hara are probably the next uh, as far as like couples go that are like the happiest Mm -hmm. and uh Surprisingly, Doza and Venisa take the number one spot for happiest couple in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they're so sweet. I loved them. Like the conversations Venisa and Doza had about Torah and about the Colossus and, and their respective missions. We we also got to hear them talk about Doza. I think in the... In In the episode, The Escape, talking about Doza, uh, renouncing the Empire. There were just some really great pieces that they got to discuss. And watching them hold hands at the end of the episode as they, like, walked back to the Colossus was just so cute. (laughs) I was really happy. So, so cute. (laughs) Yes. If this is your first time listening, this
0: is kind of how we go through (laughs) it. So in part one, we discuss our highs and lows.
1: In part two, we're going to be talking
0: about the story, and in part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started.
1: So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay, welcome to part one, where we're talking all about our highs and lows, and I'm going to go first. (laughs) Okay, go first. So my first high was Kaz and Yeager and Tam back on Castellan on the training rings. It was just this... See, this was a good return back to the start. (laughs) Yes. I loved that where Tam asked them to come back to was Castellon. And the fact that it was just Kaz and Yeager who went and they're on the training rings and they're kind of reminiscing about everything that had happened there, Tam arriving, their, their whole conversation when she hugs Kaz on the training ring. Oh my gosh. And her conversation with Yeager. I just, I loved everything about this this whole sequence of events. I, I thought it was really touching and moving. I loved being back on Castellon. I don't know. There was nothing I would change about this whole piece of the episode. I thought it was really well done. Me too. Me too. This is actually my high
0: two, um, which again, if you're a longtime listener, this is no su- surprise to you that I think that the coming home and like basically the redemption moment, um, it's just so good. It was it was perfect. I really liked how the music was really minimal too and you were kind of on the edge of your seat the whole time thinking about what was going to happen whether or not Tam was going to emerge from the tie fighter whether she was even in that tie fighter. I think was a really good thing that they did. They kind of played with that a lot. And they did that in previous episodes too um with like the the dogfights and uh, whether or not you know the tie fighters lived or survived you, you know what I mean. Um I I don't know. I really, this scene was so good. I cried mm-hmm. and I, it was, and I, you know what? You know what I really appreciated about it too? I really liked how Yeager and Tam were bickering even after she returns back. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they had a lot to talk about and you could get that, you get that sense that they have a lot to work through um, because those emotions were kind of, not kind of, totally bubbling under the surface and now they're finally getting a chance to speak out and i like that despite this bickering she still wanted to go back and be with them because that's her relationship with yeager it's a it's a father-daughter type relationship yeah and that's kind of how it goes (laughs) and i i think that it i i don't know there's so much in the show that While it is in terms of our animated series, it it does lean towards the younger audience, a younger demographic, but there's so much complicated tensions and emotions and these character motives are so complicated that it is just always such a joy to watch because you never know really how things are going to, like how deep they're really going to go here. And I'm so happy that they went this direction with basically Tam's return.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. There was, and and I might be getting episodes mixed up. So forgive me if this happened in a different episode. But when Yeager is, I think he's talking to Vanessa, Vanessa, and he's talking, or maybe it's Kaz. Basically, he was saying how he didn't give Tam the fireball because he knew that she would leave. And he wanted yeah. her – He like, he wanted her to stay on the Colossus and, like, for them to, like, be together, basically. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that is really nice. <laughs> and <laughs> I wish that we had more time to talk about all of this. Like, for you to tell Tam that and for her to be like, I wouldn't have left because I did care about this place. And, I w- like, I wish you would have trusted me enough to, to stay. Yeah,
0: there's there's so much there in that one conversation that you're referring to. Yeah. The the idea that Yeager was, you know, kind of holding her back for his own perhaps selfish ideals, but at the same time that that emotion is filled with such love of wanting to spend time together yeah. and not have her leave. <laughs> I think that and that totally plays to how she makes her decision to join the First Order later as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the betrayal feels that much bigger. What you were saying before about all of the different types of relationships, I think that is something that, I mean, that's part of why I love the Colossus so much because all of these people from different places are on this confined but large set piece. And there were just, there there were so many layers to all of their relationships. I mean, just the fact that Yeager and Doza are both former fighters for the rebellion and the empire is such an interesting thread, and and you know that Vanessa is was was a rebellion pilot, correct? And she fell in love with this former imperial oh, yeah. officer. I mean, love this. <laughs> there's, there's just so, and they have this daughter, and but it, and it's the mom who left to continue the fight, and it's the dad who stays, and is oh, he Resistance or not? Did that. It's so, good. yeah, and. Is he or is he And and the mom is still alive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God. Mm-hmm. Remember when we thought that she was dead yeah. <laughs> for a lot of it? And and then the Yeager's whole family and like his relationship with his brother was super complicated as well. And there were just there were just so many layers to all of these relationships and people and it was it and and maybe resistance couldn't have gotten into it more because it was aimed at a younger like a younger audience than than maybe even Clone Wars and Rebels but i wish that that that's part of like what i'm mourning too is that we would have been able to see more the development of those things and how all of those pieces influenced our characters and the decisions that they were making whatever they were in seasons 3 and 4 and maybe even beyond because they were so fascinating and and i don't know of any other collection of characters that come from such varied backgrounds in Star Wars and it was just so cool it was just so cool mm-hmm. um, and it was it was I think I think I think it was pretty well done I think they could have always done more but I think that was an issue of time too mm-hmm. yeah So my second high was the final shot. Uh, all of them in Aunt Z's bar, and they're all just having a drink, and they're just all sitting together. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so good! Team Colossus, <laughs> Team Colossus. It was, it was, it, it was really comforting, and it made me feel good that Tam was there, and that people were smiling at her, and Kaz was there too. I just. I love these characters so much. And that was a really nice parting shot for all of them. Yeah. It felt so good. It it was just walking away from the series, you have a big
0: smile on your face, which is, I think, exactly what they wanted. And I think they succeeded in that aspect. And I also, that's exactly what I wanted too. And I felt that it just put me in a really good mood (laughs) that Mm -hmm. whole last episode. I like spent the rest of the day. Just so happy that it ended the way that it did. So my high was Kylo Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Um and I think I my high is definitely the last shot too, but kind of wanted to spice it up because I think that we You're
1: spicing it up with Kylo Ren as if we've never (laughs) talked about
0: him before. Well, that's kind of why he's one of my highs, because we had talked about Kylo (laughs) showing up in resistance since Episode one of Star Wars Resistance season one. Yep. And I think that I didn't think that he was going to show up in the finale. I thought he was going to show up earlier. Um, And I was thrilled to see him. I know that he wasn't (laughs) voiced by Adam Driver. It was Matthew Wood. And I have to say, I think his voice is too deep for Kylo. Uh, I don't think Kylo's voice is that deep. That's why he wears the helmet to make it deeper. But I still think it was great. And I loved seeing him because I think that that force thing that he did, the whole pull in the gun on each other, you know, this is the second time they've done this. yeah. And I it's fascinating every time they they do something that's like so deep and dark like this. Wow. Um, I loved that. That was a great, great moment. Good to see my boy Kylo again.
1: (laughs) I miss you. (laughs) Um, that's it. What I think is so funny is that we know that Matthew Wood was literally traveling around the world getting these snippet recordings for the Rides of Skywalker from, like, Sam Jackson, you know, um... And, and like all the other Jedi that are in that scene, and we know that he also did that with Adam Driver. He like in his most recent interview, he talks about how he was literally at Adam Driver's apartment, and Adam was recording lines for Kylo Ren in his own closet, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which I'm like, is great
0: as as a as someone who is currently sitting in their own closet recording. Yes, very
1: relatable. Yeah, totally relate- relatable. <laughs> but I think it's funny that we couldn't get Adam to do. Like record in his closet these scenes. <laughs> <for laughs> no, that's a whole nother contract. Is it I know, I know. It's, it's it's really funny to me that um and, and the fact that it was Matthew too who was doing both, like he was recording Adam and then also being Adam or being Kylo. And just I just think it's kind of funny. But yeah, it was it it is it is funny too because we definitely thought that Kylo was going to be a presence very. A lot earlier in the season, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they really saved him for the end here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But and it was quite dark seeing him like use the force through the hologram, just like Vader does. So I, it was definitely effective and very dark. Mm-hmm. I um, I think it's interesting
0: that we have him without his helmet being the supreme leader.
1: So I guess also before the rise of Skywalker. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's just, it's interesting that, I don't know, I think that if we wanted to kind of dive deeper into like what this uh, moment meant for Kylo Ren's character, I think that he is displaying a sense of extreme power as using the force through the hologram to like make them almost kill each other. And I think that... that could be a sort of insecurity situation about him not wearing the helmet and then perhaps thinking that that's exactly how he has to act in order to make sure that things get done <laughs> in the First Order. And I think that that's kind of the Ky- the Supreme Leader Kylo Ren that we're probably going to see in other pieces of canon that will pop up in the next few years. Um, a Kylo who dives really deep into making sure that you can tell that he is evil and that he can do crazy stuff with the force and you should fear this magician man
1: <laughs> <laughs> especially because he has such a eyes so he probably just came back from crying about ray so he really needed exactly to sell that he was evil
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that's why he needed the helmet he's yeah. like this is the final straw
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone will know that i love her <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm seeing her all the time again. Yeah. Gotta,
1: <laughs> gotta that, cover now it up. Now that she just came out of my bedroom. <laughs> yeah.
0: Co- cover it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then he sees her again and he quickly takes it off.
0: <laughs> I do have a, b- a bonus high. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to just give a shout out to how beautiful the animation, the colors, the the style of the show I think that they really hit their stride, especially in these last few episodes. There are certain shots: the Star Destroyer emerging from clouds, the Colossus in the in the sky, and like the low levels of the atmosphere. I I, f- I feel like it's just so well done. I even I alluded to this earlier, but the the tie, there was a Tie Fighter battle that felt like straight from the movies because the tensions were so there, and perhaps even more so than some movies or even uh other shows like sometimes i I never really felt like the the dogfight-esque battles in in rebels or clone wars that was just never really my thing i always just loved the character moments more but i feel like the tensions in the character um the the tensions that were brought from those tie fighter battles was so perfectly edited cut together animated this i just i feel like i i felt the emotions through it in a way that i hadn't in previous animated battles and i this was definitely an all-season-long high for me was how beautiful i love the style of resistance Mm -hmm. um like huge hats off to the animators and the people who work on the style and establish the style because I think it was fairly criticized in the beginning too, that it didn't look as good, or and I I feel like that is just so. That's an opinion, obviously, from some people, but I just completely disagree with that. I think this. Sh- I really love the show style, and I have to say that some of the animated, um, the you know, I, I I stumble over my words because I don't know necessarily. I know people get a little. Um, kind of up in arms when you say the animation looks so good. But I really do mean that the, the like articulated movements from every character look so good and fluid that I'm always impressed each episode.
1: Yeah, I, I've always been a huge fan of the style of Resistance. Uh, I thought, I've loved how all of them are, are very different. You know, Resistance, mm-hmm. Clone Wars, and Rebels, they all have a different look. And I think that the different look really lends itself to the tone of the show, and I think that the like the 2D nature of Resistance, it it really just gave it a whole new texture from from Rebels or Clone Wars. And one that was really welcome. I think that some of the like the landscapes of Resistance mm-hmm. are some of the best, if if not the best, that I've seen in animation. Like the fact that you can make Castellan look interesting and beautiful for like basically a whole season in the first season when it's just an ocean <laughs> – is <laughs> it just it just really speaks volumes to the skill that they have and what you were talking about too, like the fluidity of the characters moving along especially with their facial expressions i feel like they get i feel like the characters in resistance had so much more dynamic facial expressions than like clone wars or rebels because of the 2d style they can be like more comedic and and i think it's it's our friend Allie who has the resistance out of context Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And she she'll just do like screen grabs of random moments, and usually it's Kaz, but he just has like the <laughs> the funniest faces, and it just it the the two D style really did just elevate Resistance, um. I think a lot, and it gave it a different life and a different movement than our other animated shows have had, and I I always really enjoyed it, and the flying too that you were talking about is just. It works so well with this style, and it does feel so dynamic, I think. And I did really enjoy it in in The Escape in particular. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about your low, Caitlin? My low for The Escape is I think I probably would have preferred less action and more conversation. This was a very – uh, physical episode we we were doing a lot of physical things and I think I would have liked more conversation time between all the characters um, I liked everything that we got but you guys know we're character people like Charlotte said the the dogfights aren't usually our favorite parts of Star Wars in any medium for us it is always the characters so I think I would have liked to have more time with them
0: mm-hmm. yeah I agree with that For me, my low was, I still think, and this is just, I think, the part of, I think, resistance just being cut short. There's still a bunch of dangling threads um, that I think you can kind of glaze over when the core characters have a happy ending. But there's a couple of things that I, I just feel like I hope are touched on in other mediums. Number one being what was up with Kaz's dad like, what? Um, <laughs> second, the Children of Tehar, I hope they're okay. <laughs> you know, one of them is definitely Force-sensitive, so what's up with that? Um, and the biggest one, I think, is what's the Colossus' impact on the Resistance as a whole, like Leia Organa's Resistance? I, I think that they probably would have used that and I guess they didn't incorporate this into episode nine, but I do think that there was a way that they could have kind of bridged it up with the rise of Skywalker um, that I would have liked. I would have liked to see that if, even if there was a throwaway line, I can't imagine that that, that would have been super hard to kind of incorporate into this episode of, oh yeah, you know, the resistance is going to be on a, whatever the resistance base is called. <laughs> right. And in, in, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, I feel like there could have been more cohesion there. And I guess that's just kind of a low of um, some Star Wars stories as of late. I think that there's always a chance to make everything more cohesive to the story as a whole. And I never know if this is a personal thought um, as someone who's extremely close to every piece of canon, it feels like, that I feel like there's more room to do things you know, super referential, um, all around uh, the saga. So I, I, I think that those are just off the top of my head, but I do think that they'll come up, especially when I rewatch resistance in a couple months, probably I'll be like, Oh, they never really talked about that one. Oh yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's again, just a a problem with the fact that I do believe that the show was cut short I am thrilled with the ending that we have because I can't imagine it ending any other way. <laughs> if it did, I I think we would have been so disappointed if it ended on a cliffhanger. But um, I there's just a lot of threads. Because this show introduced a lot of new characters and new ideas pretty often that I think that it was just bound to happen.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the the fact that it was cut short just meant that not everything could have time in the final season, especially yeah. because probably a lot of it was already done when they got the news that it was going to yeah. be the final season. So I can't imagine that must have been a really difficult thing to try and figure out in probably what I imagine is a time crunch on their part. But yeah, mm-hmm. there, there were some things that just like this goes back to just the 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 collection of characters that they put on the Colossus are just so fascinating and that there wasn't enough time with all of them. Like, for me, and I know for you, one of the biggest things was the fact that, you know, Kaz is from Hosnian Prime. He's a senator's son. Like, that's that's super interesting. That's not something we get a lot of in other forms. Like, usually it's like... People from nowhere <laughs> and Kaz is very mm-hmm. much from somewhere and he watches his planet get blown up and uh, hearing from his father too we for, literally from the very first episode we were like yes family drama <laughs> <laughs> we, we want, we it. want <laughs> it and it didn't really get brought up I know we had a lot of high hopes for that in season two but I think even after Like, that would have been – I think we still would have been really hopeful for that in the future. And the children from Tehar are super fascinating, especially because it was Kylo Kylo who went to Tehar. Like, they knew Kylo from Tehar, which that's super crazy because Kylo definitely would have sensed a Force-sensitive child there as well. And, yeah, just kind of of understanding what – I mean, we we love to bring this up in regards to the animation – but that Dave Filoni quote where he talks about not wanting his stories to act as a footnote to the larger saga films, and that's especially prevalent with like Clone Wars and Rebels, but um, it does feel like Resistance kind of succumbed to that a little bit because it was cut short. And that feels really disappointing, I think, because these characters did have so much to bring to the table and there just wasn't enough time given to the show to fully explore them but then at the end of the day it's like where what was the impact of the colossus on the resistance if that's what we were supposed to be headed towards and i don't think Mm -hmm. that the show suggested that the colossus like I don't think the show did a great job of defining what the end game was. And we've talked about this throughout the whole season of, you know, is the Colossus just looking for a safe place to land? Or is it looking to get back in touch with the Resistance? It was never really clear for the first part of the season. I think in the second half that got a little bit more defined, especially because they went to Aos Prime as a place to safe harbor. And then Kaz was like, well, I'm leaving. (laughs) So I I think that it it definitely got there more in the end, but I'm with you. I never know if wanting things like the Colossus to be mentioned in Tross or vice versa, if that's me being too close to the stories um, and if it just would have been like would it have felt too Easter egg for something to have been said like that? I, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. I think it could have been, and then I also think it could have been done really well. But I, I think that the Colossus had a really great opportunity to be this kind of, I don't know, this like martyr out in the outer rims, just like helping people, like a like a Robin Hood, but a but a whole ship. <laughs> And kind of making Mm -hmm. these big changes if it wasn't, you know, actually joining up with the resistance. So I think that some of those loose threads, hopefully, I hope this isn't the last we see of these characters because they are so interesting and, and have a lot to give. So maybe we'll see some more of that in the future. I really hope so because I think there were a lot of really great things put into this show that have not been put into other shows. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, are you ready to talk about the story? Yes.
0: Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women
1: always figure out the truth. Always.
0: Okay, so welcome to part two, where we're going to be discussing the story. So for the last time, Caitlin, I ask you, what's the state of the resistance?
1: Well, okay, what's the state of the Colossus? (laughs) (laughs) the Colossus the Colossus was looking for safe harbor Mm -hmm. and we know that they were looking for safe harbor when they went to Aos Prime that didn't turn out great so they left and I don't think they had a plan when we last saw them and then they became they became concerned with Kaz and with Tam and with Yeager I think that was the state of the Colossus was was going after their own Mm mm-hmm uh, in the end, and I like that. Me too. I like that a lot. Me too. So I was glad that we saw that. Uh, I think it's funny because we we've talked a lot this season about how how and when Doza chooses to involve the rest of the people of the Colossus is is really is really interesting to track mm-hmm. because sometimes he's like we couldn't possibly, and then other times he just doesn't even consider them at all. He like bets them in a race. <laughs> <laughs> So, but this time he did bring it to the rest of the Colossus mm-hmm. to ask what they should do as far as going after Kaz and Yeager and Tam. And I, I thought that scene was really effective, actually, especially when they're all like, no. You know, I think one of them even points out that, like, you keep bringing us into these fights and none of us want that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then when they see the hollow of Kaz and Tam, and I think it is Tam who says, like, the, the First Order is coming. Like, they know where you are. You guys have to leave. Um, I thought it was really great how they rallied. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a great scene.
0: I agree. I think that there's something really interesting about how – I think that we need to reevaluate how we see the Colossus because I think that all the people of the Colossus wanted to do was chill. <laughs> And I think that this is something that, in my brain, I was like, the Colossus is going to make a huge impact on the Resistance, and it's going to be in the Battle of Exegol. Exegol. (laughs) Yeah, and it's going to be huge. When really, the Colossus just wanted to go back to Castellan and live a life that was similar to how they lived before, where they were, uh, you know, on off-the-beaten-charts- place to fuel and i think that it's it's really interesting because i think i need to check myself about like i want it to be part of this grand scheme it's kind of what we were saying you know five minutes ago but really i think these people just wanted to live their life and i think if anything that's kind of what everyone in the galaxy wants to do but they're constantly threatened by war and like civil war and grand scale galaxy war and uh taxes and all these, you know, blockades, like that's what Star Wars is. And yet they just want to live their life. And I think that it's really interesting that in terms of the state of the Colossus, at this point, I can hope that the Colossus has uh, fought the First Order. And hopefully, hopefully, they will find a safe harbor, they want safe harbor, and they will try to find that and try to you know, get to the place that they were in in the very beginning, where they can happily, you know, race for fun. And I think that it's it's interesting because in terms of what's the state of the first order, which I haven't asked yet, but we can dive into. Charlotte, I think...
1: <laughs> what's the state of the first order?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think they're always going to be after the the Colossus because it, it posed a threat. But I think at this point, the the show gives me a satisfying conclusion that I'm like... Uh, the people that were after them are gone. So, um, I, I, I think that maybe Kylo Ren is going to be pissed, but we'll see. <laughs> or Hux, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, maybe in a comic or something. But I, I, I still feel like at the end of this, that perhaps sort, I'm sort of like equilibrium has been established that the Colossus will someday find safe harbor because. The people that were taken from them for to the First Order um, through, you know, I think they're returned. They're returned. So I I feel like the Colossus maybe doesn't need to be part of a grand scheme war. And I think this goes back to even a theme that was brought up in The Rise of Skywalker. And it's something that you and I both love, even if we're still kind of mixed about that movie. I think that, that the, the line, you know, it's just people that are rising up. That's mm-hmm. what... Star Wars Resistance is about. These are just people on this big space station that we didn't even know was a space station until the end of season one, right? God, what a great reveal. <laughs> it was so good. And I think that it's it's just fascinating because that changed everything about like, oh my God, how, what is why do people want the Colossus? All these things. And I think that at the end of the day, what the show did was show people who are living their life rising up against tyranny and resisting. And Literally, Yeah. And I think that we can be like, what does this have to do with Leia Organa's resistance? And I can want that as a fan. But at the end of the day, I think the show did a really good job of showing these small scale problems throughout the galaxy. The galaxy is a huge place. And the First Order is only getting bigger. And the Star Wars (laughs) will go on forever, I assume, because that's just the cyclical nature of life. And I think that it's it's really nice to see this kind of this story that ends in a place that I feel hope for the people of the Colossus that should they continue to be targeted by an oppressive society, that these people will band together because they're bonded by the same thing of wanting to just live their life,
1: yeah, wanting maintaining their home,
0: yes, yes, and you get that sense, and that's why you really like. I mean, I'm not putting words into your mouth, but you love that about the Colossus. You like that as a set piece because there's so much that goes on within the Colossus, this idea of hierarchy and everything. But that hierarchy is completely broken down by the end of this series, right? I think that you see Doza and the entire crew in the bar, right? I don't think you mm-hmm. saw that before. And I I think that you get this sense of um, family, really, at the end of this because – We've worked so hard to kind of break down those barriers um, and show that they are fighting for, you know, their freedom and their ability to just live. I'm sad. <laughs> I know. I'm sad, too. But I I do feel yeah. like it works. And I, I I, have to say, if Star Wars wants to continue to tell these kind of smaller scale stories throughout their, their timelines, I'm 100% for it. Because I think that things like this reinforce how I think about Star Wars and what I think about its themes. And um, I feel like Resistance fits in with all of that. The idea of redemption, the idea of love, found family, purpose. I feel like it was all present by the end of Resistance. And as a piece, you know, I love to say it, I can put Resistance on the shelf I can close the book and put it on the shelf because it and it looks just like my other books you know because it it did that it did that
1: it fits the color scheme of the bookshelf it does <laughs> it's the same size it's not the same size but it's just as important <laughs> yes yes but if it's the Colossus that we're putting on the bookshelf, then it's a bigger size. Uh-huh. <laughs> it go like Jedi Temple, or actually go like Colossus. Do you think the Colossus is bigger than the Jedi Temple on Coruscant? Yes. yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Okay, so yeah, so it would get to be number one as far as size <laughs> if we were going okay. by main setting: <laughs> Colossus, <laughs> Jedi Temple, Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I think you said it really well. I I don't have I can't really add much more to it, but yeah, the they just want to like they just want to eat gorgs and chill, you know. <laughs> and it, when eat gorgs and chill, they just want to gorg and chill. <laughs> when you were when you were talking about it, it just reminded me like the what you said about the whole crew being in Aunt Z's at the end of it, especially when I mean it feels like so long ago when we were just laughing about. Niku saying he wanted to go up to the Aces Lounge for, or he wanted to go to the High Tower for all the clean hallways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so pure, <laughs> it's so pure. Um, and the fact that the Aces were all up there and they're literally looking down on Auntie's bar from from the Ace Lounge, and now they're all in Auntie's mm-hmm. together. And it really is, it really is just, it is this slice of life, and, the, and that, and that is part of what makes the Colossus such a cool. place a cool place in the Star Wars universe, and it reminds me too of that other lovely Nuku moment when they're on the run. I think it was early in this season when he is able to basically hack the the projectors and makes it so that the like the the um, poop. I can't. I don't know how to describe it, but the the deck of the Colossus. It has basically like a a screen of Castellan. Because all of the citizens are sad about like being in darkness, basically, um, out in space, and so he puts Castellan back on the inside of the Colossus, so it kind of feels like they're back on Castellan. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That was yeah, that was such a good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about these people. Just like this is a community. The Colossus is big enough that it's not just a ship. It's it's a community. It's a microcosm, and. Um, this this the show did kind of play around with uh, what is it the people of the Colossus want? Are we listening or are we not listening? <laughs> but it mm-hmm. did it did do a lot to emphasize that you know just having a market on the deck or, or them missing Castellan and their them coming to the aid of their own at the end of the day that this was a community and that it was a strong community too and um, that kind of small scale storytelling. It just it worked so well. And um, the Colossus was a big piece of why it did. <laughs> so hats mm-hmm. off to whoever designed that beauty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you would like to meet them. I would
1: like to meet them. TBT to when we interviewed um, the creators of Vader Immortal and um, what was his name? Uh, Jose Perez the the third i think and mm-hmm. he talked about how they had a 3d version of the ghost somewhere and that they had also done work on resistance and i immediately was like you have a 3d version of the resistance somewhere <laughs> yeah about of the colossus, of the colossus yes. and he was like well no not the whole thing because it's like really big but i think he said they had onzi's <laughs> bar <laughs> i was like yeah i would like to see it <laughs> well it's
0: cool if you that so we know that the 3D models were made, like the 3D real life IRL models were made for, um, for the rise of Skywalker to include them in that big, huge shot of like fourteen thousand ships, and it was cool on StarWars.com. They have the fireball, they have uh, Torres' ship, and they have I forget what else. They have they have three ships that they fully designed for like photo real. Photo-real. Yeah, the Colossus isn't one yeah. of them though.
1: But that's okay no. cuz I don't want it to get hit. <laughs> I think it's funny how apparently there are 14,000 ships at the end of The Rise of Skywalker but the Colossus Jones is like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> it's too dangerous. It's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 wow
0: <laughs> i know you went there <laughs> i was waiting I-, I knew that there was going to be an it's too dangerous joke somewhere in this episode <laughs> was and good. Was really good. felt
1: <laughs> it there i was, thinking, it was like no 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 no. we can't get like i can't get another scratch on the colossus we just got yeah, her it's repair. too dangerous <laughs> it's <Yeah>. too
0: dangerous <laughs> I wanted to bring up something that uh, Star Wars Explained really synthesized in their video. Um, again, I feel like I plug Star Wars Explained so much <laughs> on Talkers. Their video. But often they're Alex they're so clear cut. Does such a they're good so job. good. Yes, exactly. In like a 5 minute, you know, video, I'm able to kind of concisely understand certain parts and what was going on here in terms of like the wider canon. Anyway, I his YouTube channel is really great and super informative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he pointed out something, Alex pointed out something that uh, there are several occasions throughout the second season where people reach out to the Colossus via hologram or some sort of communique, and the Colossus immediately, not immediately, but often believes them, and it gets them into trouble, and it becomes a trap. Um, It's usually someone working undercover, and this has happened twice in uh, the second season. And it's interesting that the finale is Tam finally getting the... and sending a coded message to the Colossus. And despite the fact that the Colossus has been burned in the past after kind of falling for this, they believe her. And I find that so powerful, Mm -hmm. that they're willing to take the chance to help somebody. I think that they, they, at least Yeager and Kaz, believe it's Tam, but I think that even if it wasn't Tam, I think that they would still take that chance and it turns out it's like you know here are the two chances and then the third chance it's which is really reflective of the sequel trilogy if you think about it here's the third chance that you will come back um which i really like i I just really think that's a really good choice throughout the season which at some point felt sort of it could feel kind of repetitive, like, oh, why would they trust them? But be- it's because they're good people and they want to help. And again, this goes back to the whole idea of um, if if the show really wasn't about Leia Organa's resistance, it is about resistance in its own right, its ability to have people stand up for what they believe in and kind of fight for what they see to be valuable. And I think that this is Another example of the people of the Colossus, even if at this point it's just Yeager and Kaz thinking that there's a chance to save uh, Tam. And it was really beautiful.
1: Yeah, it was. And we've seen them. They often believe the best in people they've gone after these these calm messages a lot throughout the season and Mm -hmm. usually it's spearheaded by kaz which i think is such a testament to his character too and really comes back to his belief in tam i do think that the season could have played on that more honestly but i i liked how Mm -hmm. At the end, Tam got the the com link back because that's where her story started. in re- in In this season of Resistance, was uh, basically hanging up on Kaz and not listening to his message and, and giving it to Tyranny. And the fact that she, I, I mm. by the way, I loved her reprogramming the mouse droid, and they were so cute together. I wish that had happened Same. so much earlier in the season, and we had gotten like. I wish that Tam had brought the Mouseroid with her. I really do. <laughs> mouse droid Redemption. Yes. <laughs> like imagine the Mouseroid and CB. Wow. 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 CB would have been so good. So good. Oh, Just a shout out to CB here. See, I mean, who, they would all be dead in the water without CB. So one. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I I love CB, and I love to. I think it's so funny because the. We laughed a lot about how snarky BB eight was with Kaz mm-hmm. <laughs> and how BB eight was constantly just like, I really want to get back to both <laughs> <laughs> and um Kaz knew that. <laughs> like BB eight always told Kaz that. Mm-hmm. But C B and Kaz, they belong together. They really are this like adorable human android pair. And you could tell, like, they really loved each other. <laughs> We have a pink droid, a pink BB-8 droid, a pink and like <laughs> in, a pink and teal BB-8 droid. So cute! I'm just so happy. I'm very happy. I love <laughs> Kaz and CB. I think they're an amazing pair, and I'm I'm glad that BB-8 went back to Poe so that CB could be with Kaz because they belong together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do. <laughs>
1: They do. And I would have I, I would have loved to have seen the mouse droid and C B is basically what I'm saying here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought that was really clever how she just reprograms him. One of the like small things that I loved is when she first takes the mouse droid and has him like on top of her bed and he tries to like wheel himself off and she like pulls him back and is like, No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really cute. And I was sad that she left him. I guess he's gone now. <laughs> but yeah. uh I really love the mastery, but I forget where I was going with all of this. Oh, basically, that she got back the com link and she took it from Tierney's office and took it back and used it to get in contact again with Kaz and Niku. I thought it was really innovative um, and her like using the Thai training to get back to Castellan as like an excuse for why she's leaving the First Order starfighter. I just, I thought her whole plan was really gutsy and it didn't work because they found mm-hmm. out what she was doing, but she still went through with it. And I'm like, man, that is so brave. <laughs> she did that. <laughs> she did that. She did that. Um, One final
0: thing in the story section that I wanted to say is that it's cool that the episode is called the escape because the season one finale was called no escape. So mm-hmm. I liked that parallelism and that change because Yes, this is the escape. They're out of the clutches, if you
1: want to believe that, which I do. That is a nice, I hadn't picked up on that. I didn't think about that, but that is a cool, a cool difference. Okay, are we ready for part three? Yes. Okay, welcome to part three, where we're talking about the characters, and we're going to start with Kaz, Kazuda Ziono. I'm going to miss him. So much. <laughs> Me too. We
0: love Kaz. I know that he's kind of a polarizing character, but we love him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why
1: people listening. <laughs> he's just so funny. I
0: love Kaz-tastrophe. I think that Caitlin and I very much related to Kaz, especially in the first season and watching him grow and become a clear leader and you know stick up for his friends and making friends honestly and finding his his place within yeager's garage and learning to pilot the the fireball how great was that moment when yeager gave him the fireball it was yeah it was was so so good good. and i think that it's just i am sad that we're not going to get any more kaz and i hope that he comes up later because i think he is such a good character he's such a good boy and <laughs> i i <laughs> love him i love him
1: yes yes i do do yeah i think that um Kaz, Kaz has just been so relatable and he's so fun and he's so genuine. And I remember in season one, one of the things we loved so much about him was that even though I remember our biggest I think our biggest critique of season one was that no one bothered to train Kaz <laughs> on anything, but they still just kept getting mad at him when he didn't yes. know what to do. Yes. Wow. That takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, we are like, they're all yelling at him, but it's not like anyone's showing him what to do. Like Giger knows that he's not a mechanic, but then just like <laughs> hands him a ship to fix with no manual. And, but what was so great about Kaz is that he just like went, he just tried his hardest at whatever he did, even though... It usually wasn't right, <laughs> but he just had such he just had such a gumption and such enthusiasm for everything that he was doing, especially in season one. and then and then him seeing just how large scale his choices, like the consequences of his choices can be in season two was really great. And I think we, I do think that this season did a really good job, even in the Rocky parts of it at the, at the front half of showing Kaz's leadership skills on display, more like him volunteering to be the leader on missions, being entrusted with that, and then actually performing Mm -hmm. well, (laughs) because that didn't always happen in season one. And he was, he was kind of like a lot of his like big missions were with Poe, right. And Poe's kind of taking the lead on things, but we get to see him being in charge and, I remember the episode in this season when he's like training the aces like on how to be fighter pilots and he's teaching them and I was like this is (laughs) what is happening (laughs) he was kind of surprised and i think that i think in this episode in the escape in particular um getting we kind of touched on this in the last section but getting to see kaz step up and that it's him and yeager who go after tam and how even after all this time he still believes in tam even though he's had a lot of people telling him not to anymore and I know he had I can't remember when it was but he had a really great conversation with Sonara about that too where he was where Sonara told him to just give up on Tam and Kaz was like I believed in you and I believe in her Mm -hmm. and it's not even like he wasn't even mad at Sonara for the suggestion he was just like this is this is who I am and I I choose to see the best in people and I know that I know that Tam is there I don't I don't think that the season carried that through as well as it could have. And we've talked about that in a number of other episodes, but when push comes came to shove in this season, Kaz was always in Tam's mm-hmm. court and, and he was very much in this last episode. And for me, that's where it counts the most, even though I, I do think it, it could have pushed that a little bit more throughout the season, but in the, in the escape, it really came through and I loved him convincing the others that he needed to go and that eager would go with him. And, um, It was such a great like, we should have talked about this before, but them coming back to Castellan as that like return to where the story started Mm -hmm. was really great because Castellan is an important place to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was such a nice parallel to the end of season one, where Tam steps onto the First Order ship. And here she's I mean, technically it's a first order ship, but she's stepping back onto like a ship from the Colossus mm-hmm. and they're and like her coming her coming down off of the tie onto their ship. Whereas at the end of season one, if you remember like Yeager and Kaz were up on that tower in the battle, like yelling down to Tam to not go mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she steps onto the first order transport or ship. It was just it was really great, and and that was such, like, the season one finale was so, like, busy mm-hmm. in that sequence of events, whereas this one was, like, just the three of them, basically, and I really like their hug. <laughs> Me, too. Good hug. Good hug.
0: I'm here for the hugs. I am, too. I, you mentioned Sonara, and I think that that's another, just to add to my low before, about I, I love Sonara, and I feel like... I would have liked to see even more of her, and have I guess her her storyline was sort of wrapped up. But I don't know. I I think that there could have been more with Sonara. I think that she is such a surprisingly amazing character.
1: Yeah, she really. She's one of the. I think she's one of, if not the only character that was introduced as not a part of the main cast that that became that had an part. Yeah, that became a, a really important part. And her her stuff her stuff in season two really stood out. I think, yeah. Especially, she had an episode early on with Kaz that I was referencing. I can't remember what they did, but um, it was it was when they had that conversation about Tam. So it was pretty early on in the season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that
0: she had a lot of great moments in the past, like four episodes too. But I I don't know. I I think that her relationship with Kaz is really interesting and. I would have liked to see more of it if and I'm sure they would have expanded upon it in seasons three and four had they gotten those. but back to Kaz, I fully agree with everything you said. I think that he his character development is very clear. almost I would argue that Kaz's growth is more dramatic than Ezra's was in this short amount of time,
1: yeah. Yeah, Ezra's definitely took longer. Mm-hmm. But at the um, same time, Ezra
0: was younger while Kaz mm-hmm. is older. And actually, that was something that was brought up a lot in season one about how Kaz is like 20, 22. And yet... I think he was like 19. Whatever. They're all 19, right? <laughs> I think that <laughs> I, I, I feel like there was so much conversation about like, why is he so clumsy and flippant and i you and i were like uh when we were 19 we were clumsy and flippant and didn't know what the heck we were doing (laughs) and i think that's one of the reasons why i think that we related to kaz because it's he had a lot of learning to do even though he was older actually i do think he's in his 20s i don't think he's 19 i think he's in his 20s because he spent time in the academy um Mm. i And I think that that, again, aids to the conversation that was happening before. And I think, to me, there's always a chance to learn and grow. And I definitely think that there's a lot of learning and growing to do in your early 20s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I I think that in a lot of ways, him, you know, resistance even dealt a lot with the the issue of privilege. And I think that that was something that Kaz dealt with a lot, you know, uh, coming from such a wealthy family on Hosnian prime, and then suddenly living on the Colossus and like becoming like a grease monkey. Right. And I think that that he had to balance that idea of him being the cool resistance spy um, with the fact (laughs) that like his life on Hosnian prime is literally gone and he has to kind of reinvent himself in a different way.
1: Yeah, I season one, Kaz. I remember him like earning money. Yeah. and he didn't have any money. Yes, <laughs> and he was like, "How do I buy coffee?" <laughs> <laughs> mood like such a mood, Kaz. yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny and nico was so nice he was like i'll buy some for you now and he was like oh great and then he tries to order like so much food yeah and nico's like um uh i don't make that much i have like three dollars but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) kaz is just so great I know. I actually
0: am like – I have a huge desire right now to watch a compilation video or something on YouTube of all the funny Kaz moments.
1: He's so many. Maybe after this. Yeah. He's just – he's so good. And, and lovable. <laughs> Very lovable. He is. And and I remember that – that's why I liked the, the episode. Um, what – the one where he says he's gonna leave. What was it mm-hmm. called? No place safe or no safe place? I might have gotten that wrong.
0: <laughs> no, I think that it's listed differently on StarWars.com,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: no one knows.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled I pulled the the episode titles from Wikipedia, so they that that one may be wrong. But that's why I love that episode so much because I feel like it was such a mature decision for him to realize that he needed to leave. And that like he like the Colossus wasn't going to be a part of the resistance, but he still wanted to be. And so he was making moves to do that and like saying goodbye to everyone and then realizing that they were that the Colossus was in danger. He was like, well, (laughs) I got to put this got to put the speeder in reverse (laughs) and head back. It just I feel like you're right. I do think he grew exponentially in these last few seasons, but he still kept so much of that charm. And that, uh, that bubbliness that he had in the first season. And I think that's the thing that Ezra did really well too. But Ezra definitely became much more, I don't, hardened isn't the right word, but like wizened, I think, mm-hmm. by the end of his journey. And I, I don't think that I would say that Kaz is wise by any means, but I do think that he he is brave to a fault in a way that like Ezra isn't they both are and like it's hard to compare the characters because they are so different and from different circumstances and time frames and you know like Ezra is, is force sensitive and Kaz is not and but in a way that that makes sometimes that makes what Kaz has to do that much harder and he just always went for it i think what's great about Kaz is that he is he's so like he is the most genuine person I think I think I think a lot of the characters I think that's something that really stands out about Resistance is that like Kaz, Niku and Tora they're all incredibly genuine and like their their word means something <laughs> and I don't know that that genuineness like there's a lot of authenticity to them I think in the way that they interact with each other that comes through really well on screen and I think that it's it's really magnified in Kaz and he he cares about the people around him in a really big way. hmm Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about Tam. So Tam is back
0: on the Colossus. Yay. Thank God. Thank, literally She did thank that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I feel like I would have been... I, I, I can't even imagine if this series ended without letting Tam come back to the Colossus to... I don't know. It's, it's you know, Tam has been the, we just went on and on about how much we love Kaz, but Tam is definitely the most interesting character mm-hmm. on Resistance because her leaving was so justified. I think that we all understood it. There's so much secrecy, so many lies. She was definitely being um, put in like third place, really, from Yeager, despite the fact that she was probably the closest to Yeager mm-hmm. and she was kept in the dark and- um to the point where you and I were so confused throughout the entire season about like what's going on with with Tam like I miss Tam and only to realize that that was by default even to the point where I was reading an article today about how they had Susie McGrath film not film um record her lines
1: like separately,
0: separately without without the whole group in in order to like you know get that whole isolation vibe And man, does it come through to the point where in season one, we were so frustrated. And then that's why, you know, that that moment when she leaves, it's earned. It's like, wow, this is the tensions are so high. Um, But at the same time, because we sympathize with Yeager and Kaz and we know that they're just trying to help the resistance. And yes, they're stumbling and they're making mistakes. But I think that they they loved Tam. And, you know, I think It it was devastating for both of them to watch her go. And on some level, I bet they understood what was happening, even though I don't think Kaz ever gave up. And to watch this whole journey of Tam rising through the ranks of the First Order, which was, wow, it was fascinating to see the First Order and like how that all kind of worked. Because honestly, we haven't really gotten that much of that in canon, especially during the time of the sequel trilogy. Um, Not before it or, you know, I think that it's few and far between that we see um, the like inner workings of how the First Order works. And finally, having her realize what's at stake, how she rises up, her being essentially groomed by Tierney, which, again, fascinating. And I really I liked Tierney as a character. I thought she was she did everything that you expect from a villain to the point where she's convincing Um, and that's what was, I just think that they did such a good job with her storyline and establishing how screwed up this whole thing really was and how all these mistakes can lead to um, each other, like everyone making mistakes and making sacrifices that they didn't need to make. And I have to, I don't know, I think that by, we can talk about like Tam getting redemption but I, I I think that we can we say that because it's a familiar narrative arc that we understand within Star Wars this idea of redemption but the reason why Tam is such a great character is because I don't think she ever needed redemption she just <laughs> lost her way and I think that it's it's hard because while I do think that she was kind of following kind of following a redemption arc because she's returning home I don't necessarily think she had a redemption on the same scale as, like, say, Kylo Ren or Anakin Skywalker. And I, I say that, and I don't mean that that, like, minimizes Tam's own arc, because it doesn't. In fact, I think that it, it it presents a redemption in a different sort of light. I think that Anakin's redemption, and I guess Ben Solo's own redemption, too, even supported by comments by Chris Terrio, it it happens on his own right like it, he comes to that realization himself i think tam does too and she takes initiative and everything but her acceptance and everything i just it feels different than ben solos <laughs> it, it it really does and it feels it feels perhaps more personal because we understand it so much clearer which is crazy to say i don't know if you agree but i i feel like it her returning back knowing where she all the choices that she made to the point where she was like willing to die for the first order at mm-hmm. some points right um i think that all all of these it felt more personal and more believable that she would just want to go home when she reached her breaking point
1: yeah i think that i think that referring to tam as like needing a redemption is is, it's like it's the best way that we know how to talk about it because I don't think we're really used to seeing yeah. stories like Tam's. And I think what you were saying about it feeling so much clearer than not clear, but um, more personal than like Ben or or Anakin is because it is more personal because it is smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And what she's doing, it's not like she turned evil one day. It's very different to even from like Callus's uh you know quote unquote redemption i was reading this article from sci-fi where they were recapping the episode and pretty Cheever, who is on twitter um said that tam's story was really important she had this really great comment about it that i think put it into perspective and in the, in the way that you're talking about it and why we respond to it so well and Pretty said that she tam is a person who doesn't have enough high who who isn't high enough to have any real power or pool. And she really demonstrates like how easy it is to just get stuck in these, in these specific situations and positions and how hard it can be to change that trajectory when you don't have any power. And I think for a lot of us, (laughs) we don't have a lot of power (laughs) um, in some of those like everyday Mm -hmm. situations. Like, it's like falling into the wrong crowd because the people who you thought cared about you the most lied to you in a really big way. And then you're on this path and how do you step off of that path? And she's not the one, you know, calling the shots, but she's response, she's she's complicit. And like her coming to terms with what exactly that means for her as an everyday person in the first order, because that's where most of us would be. Like most of us, we're not, we're not the special in this story. Like we're just, we're just average everyday people. And I think that's something that like Lost Stars does well. And that Resistance has done especially well is demonstrating how these layers and these things get lost in translation. And it isn't, it isn't super black and white. And I think Resistance I think by the end of the sequel trilogy, Resistance has done that the best <laughs> out of everything that we've gotten from this particular time frame. Um, especially with characters like Doza, um, like Yeager and like Tam. And I remember in season one having that conversation where they're talking about the empire and how bad it is. And Tam was like, Well, my grandfather was an imperial officer and like he just needed to put food on the table. He's he not did. a bad person. Yeah. And I remember when that when they had that conversation and we were like, "Whoa. <laughs> it's so good. Like it's so it's so much more nuanced, I think than like like Anakin and Ben's stories are of course very nuanced, but they're very large scale because because as we like to say, the Skywalkers are like the Olympian gods of the Star Wars world. Mm-hmm. They're the most mythic. And if they're the most mythic, then people like Tam are the least mythic. And that's not like a hierarchy. It's just different. And in a lot of ways, that makes Tam's story much more relatable, much more personable. And in some ways, I would say more meaningful, too, because we can see how we can make the same kind of choice and know we're not ending up you know, as part of the first order, <laughs> but it's falling in with the wrong crowd. It's staying at a company that, you know, isn't doing the right thing or, or has some questionable things that they do on the side or, or things like that. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I think her story is so important and I wish that we had more time with her this season. I think if there was something I could change about this season, it probably would be spending more time with Tam and really seeing that struggle with her more internally and and then also more conflict with Kaz throughout the season, two, as they really kind of discuss the choices that they both made in season one and yeah. whether those things were good or bad. Because we understand why Kaz did what he did, but we still feel the anger that Tam feels. And mm-hmm. we agree with her anger, even though we know that Kaz, maybe it wasn't the decision we would have made, but Kaz had a good reason for what he did. And so did Yeager. It might not have been the best, but... I would be hard-pressed to say it was a bad decision on their part to not tell her, but it still had negative ramifications down the line. Mm-hmm.
0: It's cool that there are some things that we can – like, there, there is a way to compare, and I think we should, compare Tam to Ben Solo or something, because I think that there are several sentences that you just said that can be replaced with Luke and Leia and Han and not telling Ben certain things, right? But I think that that story is still being told currently, and here we have a very clear-cut one. And I think that if we did want to compare, then you get – you you so well said that it really is about power and placement of power, because – What's good about the Anakin redemption and the Ben Solo redemption is that it shows that truly anyone can be saved and can turn away, um, especially if you're at like the top of the the pack, right? Mm-hmm. The top, the the top line, the supreme leader, Darth Vader. Anyone can change, um, and I think that if anything. I hope that it has like a sort of story trickle down effect of like anyone can be saved even if you have no power. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that you can have both sides of like anyone can be saved because you're super powerful or anyone can be saved because you don't have that much.
1: I think too, it's like with, with characters like Anakin and with Ben, the like the resources at their disposal are a lot easier too and that goes back to like the story of this episode of how difficult it was for tam to just get off the first order starfighter because she she's gotten promoted and it's like everything she's doing is still being tagged and watched and it was really hard for her to get off and she got caught <laughs> her plan didn't really work <laughs> um mm-hmm. not that piece of it anyway but yeah i think the it's necessary to have all of these kind of different levels of seeing people and the choices that they make and the way that they can come back um, and sometimes the way that they can't too. Yeah, true. Okay, so we've kind of already talked about them in I think our very first part, but the Dozes are just such a cute family (laughs) and they really kind of took – I think th- this this episode was really about, like, Kaz and Tam and then Yeager and and then I think the Doze is very much in the background. And we've kind of already touched on it, but Tora is freaking amazing. I'm going to miss her in Buggles a whole lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Me yeah. too. And then Niku had some really great standout moments in this episode too, especially him understanding the code. That Tam was sending back. I think it's funny how Tam was sending back this transmission on Kaz's calm, but she knew that Niku would get the message. <laughs> it was like, I know Kaz is going to know what this says, so he's going to bring it to Niku.
0: <laughs> so funny. It so was really, it was
1: really sweet, and I, I loved that that and and what was great too about that whole sequence was that Niku was complimenting Kaz on how far he'd come as a mechanic. Mm-hmm. It was just. It's good. (laughs) It is so good. Um, Yeah, I know we
0: already talked about the Dozas, but yes, love the Dozas. I really – I love the Dozas as a unit. I think that there's a lot to be learned from Captain Doza, um, Emmanuel Doza. But I I, – because I just think he is an interesting character, and I still don't really know what his deal is, honestly. (laughs) Um, I think that he says something sometimes where I'm just like – Ooh, interesting you know and I but I really really love Vanessa and I love Tora Tora is just a a sunshine character you know she's so bubbly and fun and really knows how to be angry when she needs to be and really just like snaps into I don't know into action when she needs to as well and really proves herself time and time again as a good friend and a good pilot and everything and again I'm gonna really miss them um and yes, talking about Niku, you know what? I love Niku's water bottle. This is just an ode <laughs> to his water bottle. Yes. Did you notice that uh, Aunt Z served a yes. drink in the water bottle? So is it's not just Niku no. who has the water bottle? It's a, a bar yeah, but situation. She only gave
1: it to Niku. The other? Oh my god! The so- others <laughs> just get regular glasses, but then she whips out this giant water bottle just for Niku. And again, is that water in it?
0: <laughs> we love. An eco-conscious Nikto. Like, seriously. <laughs> he loves reusable cups. <laughs> Amazing. I you're you're right to think I don't think it it is water. <laughs> Let's see he's serving it. It did come from a bar. Speaking of Nico, another lingering thing <laughs> that just never got addressed is who is the first order spy? <laughs> well and I think it's just it's really I was like at the end of the first season I was like there's no first order spy it's over it's just a paranoia situation um and I I think that we're meant to believe that but I think I would ask some creators what they think about that because it really sent the fandom into a tizzy everyone was who's the first order spy because it was really truly the major question of season 1 at least the first like 5 or 6 episodes of season 1 of what is Kaz even doing because his one mission is to find the spy and it really um makes me think and I have to wonder if perhaps when they were writing episode nine if they had kind of thought that someone else was going to be the spy versus Hux um and I think that like I don't I don't know because maybe that was part of like an original draft or something I don't know but I
1: I wonder where that went if it if it went anywhere, or if it's still ongoing, if it's, it's still, still ongoing, ongoing that's cool. It still, could be Niku. <laughs> it's not Niku. It's not Niku. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to talk to them about how, like, what, what, like, was it always intentional for there to not really be a first order spy, or did things get moved around as things were happening with the seasons? I don't know. Um, it was a really fun mystery, a really fun red herring to chase throughout the season, though. It it was.
0: It was, I mean, eventually, yes, it was a red herring. And I think it worked (laughs) because I think that in the end, it opened the door to the fact that perhaps someone from the First Order was on the Colossus and the paranoia happened. And, um, I think that it really kind of set the action into motion, um, so it worked, but it's just funny to even consider because that was truly the question. <laughs> it was our question. Yeah. Yeah. So some questions to kind of wrap us up is I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite like thing, whether it's a character, ship theme that came from that was introduced in Star Wars Resistance?
1: <laughs> like how you say ship because it's the Colossus. <laughs> it's the colossus and kaz <laughs> i i don't think i can express enough how much i love those two things and if you listen to any of our season one recaps by and large my two highs were always the colossus and kaz mm-hmm. yeah but i i've talked too much about both of those things and so everyone knows that i love them but what was yours the giant water bottle
0: I have to say, I think my favorite thing that was introduced in Star Wars Resistance was the diversity of voices. I loved this cast so much. I think that maybe my favorite thing was the panel that at, at Celebration that came out of Resistance. It was such a fun panel. It was definitely one of the highlights of our Celebration. And I love the energy that this cast brings. And I have such fond memories of Caitlin and I being The night before the Resistance panel, Caitlin and I went to go have Deep Dish. We've talked about this many times, but I'll tell it again if this (laughs) is your first time listening. Went to have Deep Dish pizza in Chicago. And uh, the entire cast of Resistance was there at Luminati's Pizzeria. And uh, we were waiting for a table because we had to wait like an hour. And it was shocking to see (laughs) everyone there. It was so cool. And I, I love them all so much. And I... We were – that was really the height of us being so excited about Resistance. We were, like, flying high off of how much we love Resistance. And I I think we were so thrilled to get to talk to Christopher Sean. We were so thrilled. I don't know. It was just – it was so fun. Caitlin was like, I love the Colossus. <laughs> it was so –
1: like, just why got <laughs> just got Lawrence. <laughs> uh, he brought it up, though. He brought it up, yeah, though, because we were- – he was like, yeah, the season finale was so great when the Colossus came out and I was like, agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love
1: it. But <laughs> but like
0: it was we didn't we didn't bother them, but I I mean, at least I don't think we did. We talked to them for like 3 minutes, but you know, they got a table in the in the back and I don't know. I love the I love this cast altogether and I wish we had more like behind the scenes moments and I hope that they come to Celebration Anaheim this fall because I will definitely go watch another panel of them yeah. talking about this show and in a sort of reflective nature. And, you know, I if it, if that happens, that will be like, you know, really close to the top of my list of something that I want to do. I love when creators and actors and everyone can talk about their craft and the story that they spent so long being a part of. So I, I don't know I think that's probably my high f- of the entire series honestly is I, the characters the actors the creators I, I don't know I just yeah resistance really definitely
1: loved it. I think out of everything that's come out of Star Wars has had the most diverse uh, cast and creators. Um, involved, which is definitely a hallmark, and just another sad reason why it's over so soon. But the they that panel really was just, just so fun. I remember Bobby Moynihan just going up and down the aisle in the crowds. I think Donald Faison joined him too. Yes, <laughs> it was just it was so great. And then and then hearing oh my god, remember when Susie McGrath was on Ashley Eckstein's like Women of Star Wars panel? I think. And she was talking about her coming into acting, and um, like she grew up with a stutter. Do you remember? Oh my god, it was so great! And she, yeah. it was like her first celebration. And she was she was talked about how she was so nervous to like come and meet the Star Wars fans, but she was just so overwhelmed with how many people loved Resistance, and it was just it was really great. And and yeah, running. I think it's funny you're like we didn't bother them, and I'm like, well, I literally pushed my way into Christopher John's <laughs> circle. When we were alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I think I was did. just like so overwhelmed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I have a podcast. <laughs> and then I gave him oh. our merch. But um I know Christopher Sean has listened to Sky Talkers before, and when I told him the name, he was like, "Oh yeah, I've listened to it." I was like, "I know." <laughs> 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 it was just really, it was really great. He was so great. So was Scott Lawrence, and um, it was it was really lovely to see just the whole cast having having dinner together. And I remember we ended up sitting on the other side of the restaurant, but we saw when Bobby Moynihan and Donald Faison like got there late. And because we saw them outside and we're like, oh, my God, they're here to join dinner. <laughs> they're joining yeah. the cast dinner. Like, how adorable is it just, that? It's so it, great. It was adorable. And I, that's one of the great things about the animated shows, too, is that all the casts become very close because they do mm-hmm. they do their recording sessions together. And um, Resistance is no exception. And they're, they're just an adorable cast, <laughs> like, <Yes>. so cute. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, they're... They're just, like, they, they always interact really well with the fans. Like, I remember before Resistance came out, Christopher Sean started, like, following a bunch of people on Twitter, like, that were in the Star Wars community. And I remember being like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was just, it was so fun because I, I we didn't really get that with Rebels and with Clone Wars. And they're from different times, too, Clone Wars especially. Um, but they, they were always really... Their their enthusiasm and love for the show just always came through. And you're right. I wish we had more, like, behind-the-scenes content with them because I would love to hear, like, more interviews and stuff, like filmed interviews. Um, I know we have a number of, like, written interviews, which are great. But I I would love to, like, see more behind-the-scenes of them recording and and just talking about their characters because they are so cool and the, the actors themselves. So I agree. They definitely – this 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 show had such – it had such an um, – an, a different kind of energy about it than than Clone Wars and Rebels, and it was such a breath of fresh air. And it, it really yeah. did it really did just shine, I think, and it was part of yes. what made it so great to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Ugh, I love it. I'm s- I'm sad to say goodbye. And I me really too. am. Me too. I. I like I said, I was I was I was pretty sad about it earlier today and, and throughout the month of January too. And um, I'm still pretty sad about it and I, I feel like I will be for a while, but it's just because because I think this show is so great and that it 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 would have really gone even further with more time. And hopefully this isn't the last we see of the characters. Um because they, mm-hmm. they are so great. But I hope that you guys have enjoyed our resistance recaps. I'm sorry that we did miss kind of uh, the last couple in season two of resistance, but there were a lot of things going on (laughs) and um Hopefully, maybe one day we'll be able to return back to them. But resistance has been such a highlight of our podcasting journey so far. It was the first show that we got to start and finish on the on the podcast, so it definitely holds a special place in our podcasting hearts for that reason. And uh, we are really we're really thankful for all of you that tuned in week after week to talk about it. And. Um, yeah, we will be referencing these characters a lot in the future. I think they still have a lot to say as far as Star Wars and its themes go. So thank you. Thank you, everyone, for loving this show with us and for listening along. It's meant a lot to us. But I think unless you have anything else to say, I think that is going to wrap up this episode of our Resistance Recap. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. So... um You know where to find us. We're at Pod on Twitter. Charlotte is at Crarity and I am at Caitlin Flusher. We also have our website, Skytalkers.com, Instagram, Facebook, email, wherever you want us. You can find us. Just search Skytalkers. We're the only ones out there. So you'll get where you need to go. If you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, please feel free to do so. Like, no, really. Feel free to do so. (laughs) I'm not kidding.
0: (laughs) Whoa, serious.
1: (laughs) Um, You can uh, do that on iTunes if you're interested. It means a lot to us and it helps other people find the show too. Um, It is still up. Uh, We have a listener survey that's out right now. If you're interested in filling that out, it helps us get to know you guys better and start some more plans for the rest of 2020. Uh, We did it a couple years ago and it was super helpful for us in just kind of understanding um, our audience more honestly and getting to hear some of the things that you like some of the things we could do better and some ideas that you guys have for things we haven't talked about yet so uh, that will be in the show notes if you're interested in filling that out we'd really appreciate that too we also have a newsletter that will be coming out sometime soon that you can sign up for as well if you're interested in hearing more from us uh, once a month about some other things going on in our Star Wars lives and if you want to keep talking about resistance you can do that on our discord on our great discord that we have for our patreons and you can uh, head on over to patreon if you're interested in supporting us over there as well yes and the patrons i want to shout out today are joey jason
0: david emma aaron dylan fifi kimberly suki paul Derek, patrick and carrie thank you for supporting us your support means the world
1: Yes. Thank you guys so much. And thank you to all of our amazing Patreons. And until next time, may the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you.